1: That was Jalen Hurts with the megaphone telling people to get out and vote. Rodney McLeod chiming in as well with a get out and vote tour. It was very encouraging yesterday, Chris. Without getting into, and we shall not... Any of the talk about where things stand as we count every vote. What was encouraging about yesterday, people exercising their constitutional right. That's right. Exercising their civic duty. And throughout the day, there was nothing... There were no reports of problems. You didn't get into any fights when you went to vote. It was a very easy, simple process <laughs> for, for you. Was. That was good. I was actually nervous. I was nervous. <laughs> I texted you around eleven AM Eastern yesterday. Are you okay? Did you vote? <laughs> yes. I was very relieved. But but that that's that's the good news. The the system worked on the front end. Right. Now we just have to let the system work on the back end. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'd like to go back to last night around 11 o'clock and just go to bed instead of staying up way too late, which I did. Chris, how much sleep did you get? I, I went to bed, Mike. I just,
2: I, I you know, the, I'm tired for one, you know, because Sunday night, Monday night football and I could tell, oh gosh, we're going to be in a tight one here and we're not going to get any answer here at any point. And, uh, you know, it's emotionally exhausting at times too. So I just, I, I turned it off at about really about 1050, Mike. And really woke up this morning
1: to kind of the news a little bit here and kind of just catching up. Well, we are here for the next two hours to give you a distraction and a diversion, but also to be aware of what's happening. Sometimes the things happening beyond the boundaries of the NFL shield are too big to ignore. We know they're there. You know they're there. Right. But we're here to talk. Football on Peacock, Sirius XM 211, 9 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I doubt that much will change by the time the re-air begins and Phil gets up to watch the show because he doesn't watch on Peacock. Podcast audience, hello to all of you whenever and wherever you are listening from and also our good friends in the U.K. and in Ireland who are watching the program on Sky Sports. Apparently yesterday there was some sort of a glitch that resulted in our show being live in the UK and Ireland for about 16 minutes and 43 seconds, according to one of our fans over there. So I don't know what happened. Not when we were off air, was it? We were still live off air. That's what I'm a little scared of. No, that, that has not happened again. (laughs) Okay, good. And the key, the key word is again, again, I'll never forget the morning that someone sent me an email saying, you know, when you guys were in commercial, it was still on. On Sky Sports, scary and and, and oh, very scary because it's just a matter of time during break that one of us says the f word. Yes, I, 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 look, I, it's it, it's it's a it's a part of life. It is. As We're I good at it. I say all the time, re, real life is rated R, folks, right. the, for for strong language. Real life. Is and it's that way. Like, I remember I was six years old at a Catholic school the first time I heard the word. That word is embedded in our culture. And that was <laughs> 1971. That was before you could pick up a phone and hear it anywhere, flip to the right TV channel and hear it anytime. That was back when you're not supposed to hear that word ever. And I knew it when I was six. So, uh, yeah, uh, are you yeah. saying and we can say it? Are, are you giving me the green no, light no, today no, no, to go? Hey, no, this is no, no problem. Throw I, it listen, out there, Chris. <laughs> there, there were times last night I'd like to scream it, but no, we are going to exercise discretion today. One last thing about voting, and this is great. The Chiefs had a polling site at Arrowhead Stadium. You know, the Panthers had done uh, voting during their games at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. But uh, I guess Andy Reid. Voted at the uh, at the poll. It's, hey, it's great, you know. You want to work anyway, right? Go ahead and vote at Arrowhead Stadium. There he is, perfect. Right on the way to the office. I get my vote cast, and off we go. And the NFL was very good this year they about m- a rate uh, raising awareness. And you know, it's it's uh, some people get mad when we say everyone should vote. What what doesn't that just kind of prove that? That there are people out there that want to disenfranchise folks and don't want people to vote. That someone would get mad that people say everyone should vote. Everyone should vote. Yeah. Right? I don't get that either. So you're right. It's not anyway. like we're
2: saying who to vote for or anything like that. Right. It's just about being a better country and doing what we gotta do, getting all the voices heard in our country, whether we like it or not. That's fine. You know, let's just keep fighting the good fight, America. That's all we can
1: do. Every vote cast and now every vote counted, no matter who doesn't like the fact that every vote will be counted. All right. Time to count up the trades because the trade deadline came and went yesterday at four Eastern without much happening. What a shock. What a shock that the bulk of the trade activity was last week when teams could get the guys in the fold due to the COVID-19 protocols and have them for week nine. I have a feeling more than a feeling that that dynamic kept teams. Here's the problem. Any negotiation, both sides have to to move to their bottom line at the same time so the two circles on the venn diagram can can just all they have to do is touch right and you get a deal and when you have some teams thinking that last week as a practical matter was the deadline some teams thinking no we, we can push it to tuesday it's it's harder to do a deal yeah, it's sure. harder to get you know you're talking about guys and there's a lot of ego and yeah. machismo and Certain and they don't want to be perceived they as got. losing yeah Right. Right. Yeah. And, and they just, you, get, you get people who are hardheaded and they don't go to their bottom line. So I think that's one of the big reasons why there weren't more deals. May have been one of the reasons why teams like the Texans and Packers, Chris, couldn't come to an agreement on receiver Will Fuller. I don't know how serious the Packers were. I think the Texans were motivated to find someone to take his eight figure salary off the books. Right. Because, number one, he's never quite lived up to the first round. Pedigree. Yeah. Now, he was one of three straight receivers taken in 2016. He's the only one still in the league. The other two were Josh Doxon and Alquan Treadwell. Now, somebody may be on a practice squad somewhere, but Will Fuller's the only one contributing. But even then, he's been injured a lot. He's never had a 1,000-yard receiving season. And I don't get the impression that there was anyone other than the Packers that was even thinking about trading for Will No, and neither
2: neither have I, and even people I reached out to just around the league to see if they are getting any inklings or anything like that. That seemed to be the only name or real action out there yesterday, certainly. I mean, I, I'm guessing, and again, I don't know this, just like you right now, hopefully we'll hear. I'm guessing the Texans were probably asking for too much from Green Bay. You know, and and, and I'm a little surprised by that, but I'm guessing and I'm guessing maybe Green Bay didn't want to give up a whole lot because of the things you've said. You know, his his injury history. Hey, sure, the salary. And then do you really want him long term after this year? Well, what is the real deal here? You know, that's the that's the thing that a team like Green Bay has to, you know, come to terms with. Hey, finally, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll trade you,
1: but what are we going to get back? That's a great meme. That really is. Uh, That's Spanky from our gang. Is that what it is? The Little Rascals. My, yeah, see, my guess is 98% of the people who see that have no idea what that is. That is Spanky. I, I it knew was it was gang, one of the, little, the rascals little Rascals type of guys. I knew that. I, just, I had no idea
2: the name or anything like that. But I think ultimately that's what holds up these type of deals, especially with a guy like Will Fuller. Last year, the deal, wait, we'll give you something. We don't want to give you too much. We're not assured he's going to be here that long. You know, this might just be a few games. Plus, he has an injury history. I think all those things play into it. Uh, As a guy who sits here and roots for Aaron Rodgers... Yeah, I'm a little disappointed. You know that. I love Aaron Rodgers, and I want to see him with weapons because I want to see him have a chance when he gets to the playoffs to win some shootouts, and maybe he can carry the team that way if he has
1: one more weapon, and he doesn't, so we'll see where it goes. And we played the video yesterday, and it's great to have not just sound, but also the facial expressions. It was. The smile on the face. Been a lot of talk about the overall that over the years. Demeanor. Yeah, hey Ryan. Hey Ryan, you <laughs> know, question. we talk about that from time to time. That's an excellent question, excellent. Ryan. I'm glad you raised it. I have no role in personnel, but it is quite the excellent question, <laughs> Ryan. You keep asking the tough question. Uh, so Look, they're going to go with what they have. And there was a suggestion, a report, whatever from Adam Schefter the other day it was on Pat McAfee show saying that the Packers checked in on Antonio Brown. I don't think that matters. I think Antonio Brown was a done deal behind the scenes to Tampa Bay for not Definitely. weeks, but months. But uh, yeah, you, obviously they need help. And, you know, I, th- this gets into the humanity of this sport and the reality that. You know, sometimes someone will resist doing something because if they do it or try to do it, they are in a roundabout way admitting that they maybe should have done things differently earlier. Yeah. Like I if Brian Gutekunst right. – yeah, Brian Gutekunst goes out and gets a receiver now, people are going to say, why the hell didn't you just draft one? Yeah. Why, why are you buying the balance of Will Fuller's contract when this year had an unprecedented number of talented receivers? You could have had Chase Claypool. Goody, and you trade it up to get Jordan Love. What are you thinking? So you're almost refusing to acknowledge that there's a need in order to avoid the questions of why the hell didn't you just draft a guy instead of taking on an eight-figure salary for a guy that you're going to rent for half a season.
2: I I, I worried about the same aspect coming down to the trade line. I mean, when when you thought about specifically Green Bay, that was one of the thoughts that came to your head. Yeah, okay, are they going to make the trade? But, ooh, you're going to have to answer a lot of questions about you made a trade. You obviously needed a receiver. Why you know, wasn't that done earlier in the draft, like you said, or in free agency, anything like that? And I, I, I do think that's a little bit of the politics of the position. Regardless of the situation, doesn't matter anything. Like It's a real issue in Green Bay. It's a real issue for a team that is viewed as one of the best teams in our league. There is not a second receiver on the football team. There's not. I mean, there, there's nobody. Hey, look, the stats for the Green Bay Packers. Devontae Adams, of course, leads the team in receiving. And then it's Robert Tanyan in second. And then it's Williams. Yep. Oh, here's the receivers. This is the receivers. But they're not even the, you know, Jamal Williams. He's got more receptions than Marquez Valdez Scantling. I mean, Alan Lazard is the second, third receiver. I know he's been injured. It's 13 receptions. So here's Rodgers and Devontae Adams and a bunch of no-names trying to make the offense move. And yeah, Aaron Jones is a good player at all those type of things. But we've seen here the last few weeks, Green Bay's defense is not Super Bowl caliber. You know, they got a solid pass-protecting offensive line. And they have a good offensive system. It's not great. They have a Super Bowl quarterback. And that was their biggest chip in the game. And they've done nothing to really support him to help. You know, the Super Bowl quarterback, then therefore take it to a Super Bowl team. And to me, that they, they dropped the ball in that big time. This whole year, twenty twenty,
1: the whole calendar year, they dropped it. And you know, the Packers are one of the teams that this whole COVID dynamic at the trade deadline shouldn't have affected because they play Thursday night, even if they could have gotten Will oh, Fuller right, yesterday right. in a normal year. What's he gonna do for you in two days? Not much. So he was a week 10 guy anyway, unless they would, well, they would have had gotten the deal done a while ago to have him available for the Vikings game. But he's a guy that if you add him to the mix and he's healthy, he's going to make that Green Bay offense better. And he's going to position that team to have a deeper run into the postseason. Right. It's a no brainer. And now they just go forward with what they have. And again, they play Thursday night in Santa Clara against the 49ers. One team that was active at the deadline, the Miami Dolphins traded a guy and acquired a guy in trade. DeAndre Washington arrives from the Chiefs, a very late round swap of picks, like not, not even anything to really speak of, but it shows that what happens that eighth week of the season can dictate a last minute trade. Miles Gaskin gets injured on Sunday. He's going to be out multiple weeks with an MCL sprain. So the Dolphins have a need and the Chiefs have a surplus because of the arrival of Le'Veon Bell. So DeAndre Washington gets shipped to Miami where he will after week nine because he won't be able to play this week due to the COVID-19 protocols and the waiting period because that travel from one team to the next pierces through the NFL's unofficial bubble. You need to make sure he didn't catch it on the way from Kansas City to Miami. He'll be able to play come week 10, and he'll help pick up the gap uh, that is created by Miles Gaskin not being able to play. Also, the Dolphins traded receiver Isaiah Ford to the Patriots, that one's odd to me because the Patriots are the ones who should be selling and right. the Dolphins are the ones who should be buying. The Dolphins are the contenders. The Patriots are the team that is left to making excuses, and we'll probably talk about that later, but they are excuses, and they're not good excuses, as Ben Volen of the Boston Globe pointed out yesterday, this idea that it's a salary cap issue. Any idea why the Patriots would have wanted Isaiah Ford and why they'd make that move at the deadline? Because
2: they're not folding the tents. Nobody gave them the memo that they said this year's over. They don't give a damn. They're going to continue, and he's going to continue to be the curmudgeon he is, and he's going to grind and grind and grind. So, yes, I know there's a lot of talk about all that stuff either way, but I think this is, again, New England has always got their eye on these undervalued receivers that they liked in the draft. And, you know, hey, sometimes it's the reason they miss on some of these guys in the draft. But I think it's just a guy where they had their eye on him. They thought he could help their roster a little bit at the wide receiver position. I mean, because they're getting almost zero production. Really the only guy right now that can separate from anybody is Demir Bird. Uh, And so I think they're still looking at it like they're not going to count themselves out. That the you know the AFC East and the seven playoff spots and all like that they're they're going to fight this out and see if they can't go on a run and I think that's and ultimately Chris, why
1: yeah and and look that, that's yeah. that's an argument that we may have later in the program right. but I, I look at it this way is Isaiah Ford really going to make a difference when right. has a guy acquired at the deadline ever been the difference maker for a team Herschel Walker thirty one years ago was supposed to be the difference maker for the Vikings, and it ended up being the difference maker for the Cowboys to the tune of laying the foundation for a team that won three Super Bowls in four years. When And and you know, Shereen Williams and I were trying to remember last night during P- TPM, and I didn't remember to research it last night and brainstorm on it. I can't think of a time when I mean, a deal that was done during the season delivered a dramatically better team on the other side.
2: Right. Well, I, there was the Amari Cooper trade. Pete just said that in my ear. That's not a bad idea, right? But, yeah, I know it wasn't a huge but, difference. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders last year was certainly a big, you know, acquisition for the 49ers. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, now they're going to the Super Bowl. You just knew they needed it. Well, even though they did, but they needed that help. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm saying. Hey, I'll say this year, just so far what we've seen – you know, Baltimore and Yannick Ngakwe has a chance to maybe be that type of guy. I think there's more out there than we can we think. You know, did it always relate to them being the Super Bowl winner? No. But I feel like there's some – I'm, I'm going to think about that. And as this show goes on, I'm going to throw them out there randomly because I think there's more out there than we're we're remembering right now or forgetting. Just
1: shout them out as they come to I mind. I will. We'll pause and go back and revisit yes, it. I will. You know, I, I just – I, I – I understand that strategy, and that's why I think a lot of these deals don't get done. You're trying to strike the balance between going all-in now versus building for the future. And I think the job security or lack thereof of the coach and the GM is a factor in how aggressive a team will be. If you're on the hot seat and you got to give up a first-round pick, a second-round pick, whatever, to get that guy that's going to help you save your job – Who cares? I won't be here to use the pick anyway. So I think that's why some teams have and all teams need to have those checks and balances where it's not just one guy making these decisions, but it's multiple people who have a voice in it to protect against the temptation to sell out the future, a future that you may not be part of, in order to secure your ability. To be part of that future by getting a team that's going to help you maybe get to the post. A guy that's going to help you get to the post. Yeah, I think
2: that's what New England's doing. I think that's a little bit about what Bill is trying to say with, you know, the excuse making and all that is that he's trying to say that a little bit. Yeah, not that they've been salary cap hell, but they haven't been in a great position the last few years. And I think he's looking at it like, wait, we had a great run and I wasn't going to just use all our resources and put us in a really tough spot just this year, you know, and ruin the next few years to go along with that. And I think that's what they're trying to balance in New England. At least that's my take on it. We'll see where that goes. But I think oh. it is more about, like, the future and setting themselves up that way instead of just looking for, oh, one year, we proved it this year. It wasn't Brady. It was Belichick. We proved it. You know, this is, this is a long race. And I think that's he's making the long play that way.
1: Yeah, I I don't necessarily disagree with that, but at the same time, number one, I don't agree that they have been a team that has taken liberties with the salary cap and now the reckoning is arriving. That's just not factually accurate. And the thing that really bothers me about it, and I hadn't thought of it while we were talking about it yesterday, I want your input on Mm -hmm. this, it occurred to me after talking to some people yesterday, because this is something that has stirred up a lot of dust in NFL circles, the idea that Bill Belichick would behave like a normal human being and feel compelled to do anything other than flash his rings and say, Check out the scoreboard, Jimmy. Yeah, we're having a down year. Oh, well, at least I won't have to repaint the back end of my boat from eight rings to nine rings this year. I mean, the idea that he would be as petty as the rest of us and as as uh, neurotic as the rest of us and feel compelled to come up with an excuse in and of itself is stunning. But what it does, it crosses a bridge that the Patriots have never crossed. That's why I wrote something yesterday and said at, at, when I tweeted the, the, the link out, the Patriot way has lost its way because you never make excuses. If you're the new England Patriots, you got an injury too bad. Next man up. You got a salary cap problem. We never talk about that. Go out and play bad weather. Who cares? Yeah. Right, The idea that he's even articulating something that could be characterized by the reasonable person as an excuse is stunning, Chris, because the guys in the locker room hear it, and they're going to think, oh, well, standard's not the same this year. It will be next year, but this year it's not the same. We can relax a little bit. Well, I mean, I I don't think
2: that last part will happen. I don't. Now, now, listen, maybe maybe it does. Maybe they lose another game, and then that finally, you know, just puts the nail in the coffin. And then you do have guys led up there in New England, whatever that is. But I do think there's still, you know, that building. Just knowing those coaches, some of those veteran players that are there, I'd have a hard time believing that happened. But I am with you. I get it. You know, I, I, I am shocked that he kind of went down that road. Usually it's just like, you know, I, I got to do a better job coaching and we all got to do a better job playing and my coach has got to coach better. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really all there is to it. We just haven't done a good enough job. You know, that's usually what his answer is with that type of thing. So, yeah, I do think it shows a little bit of the human side of him to maybe where he is feeling somewhat insecure about the situation to a degree right now. I'm sure he didn't think they'd be sitting there at 2-5 and five and all those issues. So uh, I'm sure he's a little bit pissed off about it. I'm sure he's a little bit pissed, too, maybe that he didn't act more aggressively in the offseason to get some players and do things like
1: that. He's probably kicking himself in the butt that way as well. You know what's actually stunning about all of this, as we look at the Monday night football game for Week 9, the game against the Patriots may actually be that The game that the Jets have the best chance of winning before their bye week, the way the Patriots have been going lately. And the Jets are so desperate, but they've been through the meat grinder. And all of a sudden, this last meat grinder, not as difficult as maybe it would have been earlier in the year. All right, the Titans and this one, it's important that we get the phrasing right. Yeah, they have not cut Vic Beasley yet, right? They're going to cut Vic Beasley today, and there's an important reason why they're going to cut Vic Beasley today. If they cut him yesterday, he becomes a free agent, and he can collect the balance of his $3.5 million salary from the Titans' as termination pay, go play for someone else and double dip. And he already got a $6 million signing bonus right. from the Titans. Now, he may have had to give some of it back because he was a AWOL for a couple of weeks at the start of camp. But if they cut him today, which is what they're going to do, That salary passes through waivers. The contract goes through waivers. That's one of the key differences post-trade deadline. All players, regardless of experience, now must go through waivers. And maybe someone will look at the balance of his salary, $1.85 million over the next nine weeks, and say, we'll take that. We'll pick up that contract. And if they do, the Titans avoid paying the guy another $1.85 million. That's why he wasn't released yesterday. That's why the report was he will be released today. The Titans are hoping that maybe the Seahawks, right, right right who, who could use help at the pass rusher. any definitely. other teams looking for a pass rusher will say we'll we'll spend the 1.85 million to get dibs on this guy. otherwise we have to go sign him as a free agent. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it makes total sense there from what Tennessee
2: did. there's there's definitely going to be some teams that I think are going to do their due diligence on Vic Beasley. You know, Vic Beasley, though, the big thing is is just going to be about him, the human being. Is he invested into football right now? You know, that's th- those are things that I know about the situation. It's more of a personal thing that held Vic Beasley out through training camp when he was a no-show and type of those type of things. He's trying to figure out where he wanted to go in his life, and that's perfectly fine. I'm not trying to, you know, judge or anything like that. But I think, again, for teams to claim him on waivers, that'll be the big part of this story. I mean, he did nothing for the Tennessee Titans. That's not going to make teams feel very warm and cozy about, oh, let's give the guy $1.8 million, a guy who didn't show up at training camp, and then you know they tried to slowly infuse him into the lineup, and it didn't really take, and he didn't really do anything, and then it became basically we don't even play him here at the very end. And this is a team, too, that is pass rush deficient. So I think that will scare teams away, too, ultimately, because they're going to go, wait, the Titans, one of the worst things on their team is their pass rush, and they're letting go of a pass rusher, so there must be a real issue there, and we'll see where it goes. But yeah, that's always been my understanding, Vic Beasley, you know, just going through some things there, figuring out what direction he wants to go in his life, and we'll see what happens.
1: But I don't think anybody will claim him on waivers just because of the things I just stated there. 25 percent of the defensive snaps he participated in zero sacks zero quarterback hits so something's not right there and look everyone has issues that come up from time to time and we wish Vic Beasley the best in navigating them it's just unfortunate that the Titans gave him a one-year 9.5 million dollar contract with a signing bonus of six million dollars right and you know You're either all in or you're not, and I know things can happen after you sign that contract that make you not all in, and you're trying to navigate life, and of all years, this is the toughest year to navigate the various challenges. It's just unfortunate for everyone involved, and the Titans decided that they want to try to cut the losses, stop the financial bleeding, and instead of cutting him yesterday and walking right into that $1.85 million rake, they are waiting to today and hoping that someone will say— it's worth the gamble in the event that we can can get this guy in the right mindset for the rest of the season. We can give him a place where he feels like his concern. And and again, I'm not saying the Titans were not sufficiently sensitive to his concerns, but you know, anytime there's a guy who fails in one city for whatever reason, Chris, you know this. Yeah. There's another coach out there who thinks I can say the right thing. I can do the right thing. I can no fix it. Right. I can help this guy fix it. Right. And in return, I'm going to get a great player. And that's exactly the attitude that Pete Carroll would have.
2: Yeah, you're right about that. He, you're right. You know, we'll get him up here. He'll he'll see this place. He'll feel our energy. He'll, he'll want to play. He'll want to do it. Certainly. You're right. I mean, hey, listen, look, Tampa, they're doing the same thing. I mean, it's Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah, I think we can fix him. We got Tom Brady. He'll help. We got some coaches from the Pittsburgh roster that were there when he was there. That'll help. So, yes, that same idea, I'm sure they're going to seriously think about that. Because, I mean, again, we know Seattle is obviously in the Super Bowl window. And it's not that their defense has to make some remarkable jump, it just has to go from like, let's get into the 20s, the low 20s in total defense instead of 31 or 32. And it'll make their team so much better. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Vic Beasley, though, you know, that, that's risky, I think, for those teams. And they're going to have to do their due diligence on,
1: you know, how invested he is in the game right now. Yeah, and look, the financially safer course is to let him become a free agent right. and and sign him to a contract that protects you against him not working out. If you want to cut him at some point, whatever the case may be, you're not on the hook for $1.85 million. The risk, though, is if you let him pass through waivers, he may not want to come play for you. And and maybe we're at the point where he should just pick his next team. It shouldn't be right. guy gets snatched on waivers amid a pandemic and has to move to Seattle unless that's where he wants to go. If it's where he wants to go, that's a different issue. But complicated situation for the Titans and for Vic Beasley, and they've found a way out of it. now. What in the world is wrong with the Titans' pass rush? They have Jadavian Clowney. They have Jeffrey Simmons. What, what? Why can't they get to the quarterback, especially when they played a team last weekend that had 80% turnover in its starting offensive line because of injury?
2: Yeah, no. I mean, that, that was one of the surprise, you know, shocks of the weekend, first off. I mean, I, I watched this film yesterday. I did. I mean, you know, the Bengals' offensive line, they did a pretty good job. Now, the real story of the day, though, is, one, Zach Taylor had a very good game plan. He wasn't going to let Joe Burrow sit back there all day long and, you know, throw the ball deep down the field and plays like that where it's going to take a long time to develop and let the pass rush get off. They stayed very consistent with short passing game, get the ball out of your hands. The pass rush is getting better there in Tennessee. Now, between Zach Taylor and then the main thing, which is Joe Burrow is freaking awesome. He's slippery as hell. He breaks and gets away from more damn sacks than just about anybody in football that way. And there was a lot of opportunities in the game. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. This is very important, far more important than any analysis you're about to provide. Right. I am directing you to come up with a Joe Burrow song, and I think Slippery as Hell needs to be part of it. (laughs) Okay, Okay. I'll try to work that in. But, you know,
2: that was really – I was encouraged, actually, by the Titans' pass rush in the game overall on plays when he had to wait for something to develop – Hey, Clowney got close a lot. Simmons is really a good player, and they tried their best to double-team him and do that. But Clowney's best thing is not necessarily a top-tier pass rusher. He's a top-tier disruptor. That's really what he is. He's not the kind of guy that's going to bend around the corner like Von Miller and get sack after sack. He can't even really do that because of the micro knee he has. That's one of the issues why teams don't want to pay him long-term contracts. So... From that aspect, he can collapse the pocket and cause disruption. He's not a sack master. Harold Landry, on the other side, is a real good football player. You know, he does everything well, but he's just not a superstar pass rusher that way either. And, yeah, they're still trying to find their way there, and they need Clowney to stay healthy for consecutive weeks. That'll be the other thing, too. It can't be, oh, Jadeveon played a good game now his knee and he's bothered for two weeks and yeah he played but he played at like 70 percent and oh now he's back to awesome and then oh man he's down to 70 percent again that's the issue too sometimes with Tennessee and uh, yeah we'll see where it goes
1: but it's certainly a, an issue on their football team and it's unfortunate for Clowney. he's never gotten that truly gigantic contract no, he deserved he was drafted three years after the rookie wage scale was put in place and He seems destined to be a a one-year-at-a-time barnstormer from team to team, city to city, somebody who gets infatuated by what he can do when healthy and is willing to tolerate the moments when he isn't. All right, we are more than 30 minutes into this edition of PFT Live, which means... We're more than 30 minutes closer to knowing who won the election last night. So, it's a good day so far. <laughs> we? When we return, Tuesday was a bad well, we're th- I mean, we're going to know at some point. Yes, we're definitely 30 minutes closer. Yes. Whenever it is, we're right. 30 minutes closer than we were. I'll take my victories when I can. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> Tuesday was not a good day for the Baltimore Ravens. Marlon Humphrey's COVID-19 diagnosis may Leave their defense shorthanded this this weekend, or at least unprepared against the Indianapolis Colts. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after
0: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos, no matter the battlefield. Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. simsism's insanity in the membranity.
2: The touchdown Pete Carroll is talking about, man, that—that's insanity
1: in the membranity. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> what in the hell? I mean, insanity in the membranity is actually a craft beer. Uh, every once in a while, one of these crazy words you come up with is actually a word. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that it isn't that membranity isn't actually a word, and it's not. But it's a beer, okay. which makes it even better. All right. All right.
0: Simsisms.
1: That was a fun Monday, and it's always a fun day when Chris expands the English language and adds to the Book of Simsisms. By the way, by the way, the. Audiences interacting with us on this question of trades that have helped fuel a team's Super Bowl run. I, I love got it. one to throw at. Yeah. From just a few years ago. Jay Ajayi traded from the Dolphins to the Eagles in the 2017 season. Pretty good one. That?
2: Pretty good one. That's a good one. That helped out a lot. That did that did. That's a good one there. You're right. I mean that's what I mean. I feel like there's a few that are under the radar we're not thinking about. And then I also feel like there's a few that were good. But the team get the, like the AFC championship or, you know, got far into the playoffs but didn't win the Super Bowl, uh, and that's where I got to continue to think about it.
1: That was from our friend Landis. And I, I, I like to not give out last names just in case Landis, though thank you.: Way for to listening. go, Landis. Thank you for the suggestion. Okay, so Marlon Humphrey, Ravens cornerback, played every defensive snap on Sunday in the 28-24 loss to the Steelers, tested positive based on a sample that was collected before the game the process of contact tracing and identifying not just the close contacts but the high risk contacts that get sent home for five days even if they never test positive themselves that has resulted in a total of seven ravens defensive players chris being sent home for five days and the way the math works they don't come back till saturday right now they can play sunday against the Colts. But this is the Las Vegas Raiders starting offensive line conundrum where you're not going to be able to get these guys ready. You got to do it all remotely. They're not going to be there for practice. Now, I think, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I think it affects defensive players less than it affects offensive players. Agreed. Uh, but uh, but still, you're not there to engage in the practices that that will be tailored to dealing with the Indianapolis Colts offense. And so right. these guys, when they show up on Saturday, they're going to be less prepared than they would have been. Well,
2: yeah. I mean, first off is there, are you know, some pretty damn good names on that list too, where you go, yeah, that's a good football player. I mean, that's, whoa, they Matt Judon, Don, like what, you know, there's, there's a few guys through there. I think we you know. have the graphic. There, there it is. is. The Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison's, and the other starting middle linebacker. I mean, Deshaun Elliott's the starting safety. Of course, Tyus Bowser plays a lot as outside linebacker. So those are all starters or major contributors there. So that, that that hurts. And to your point, Mike, like, I would agree with you. It's worse for the offensive guys to miss practice, but still it's not that it's that much better with the defensive guys missing because, you know, to, to what you're saying, hey, the meetings, the Zooms, hey, that'll be great. They'll be able to stay engaged and, and know what's going on. But it's about the test the coach puts you through in practice and walk through. That really is what prepares you for the game, right? Hey, we're in this defense, and when they motion the tight end over here, we want to make a check and now switch to this defense, right? And he's not going to get to go through the mechanics of that, like those type of guys. That's what I'm saying. The outside linebacker, middle linebacker, they're not going to be able to, you know, hey, check, check, check. Hey, we're going Willy Wonka here, Willy Wonka, whatever. I'm making stuff up, as you know. But that is what they'll miss, those that dynamic, too. And it's a good offense with the Colts. They got a lot of different formations and motions and a lot of different ways to attack you, and that might lead to maybe Baltimore, I don't know, being a hair more vanilla on the defensive side of the ball would be the one thing I would think of because they are fairly complicated and exotic that way.
1: You know, it would be great if there was a way to actually simulate the presence of the players at the walkthrough. And you've seen those robots that have a, an iPhone yeah, on top. Yeah, right. And, right. you know, it's, it's for something like this that is so random, you never know when you're going to need it. You need seven of the robots yeah. for this week's practices to get the guys in a position where they can be home and they can see how it all unfolds around them. So this is just part of what you have to deal with. And as the look, without a home market bubble, the NFL is accepting. Guys are going to get it. And the reality is, cold and flu season, numbers continue to go up. No matter how much some want to ignore it, the old plug your ears and say, la, 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 not listening, numbers going up. People are getting it in all walks of life. And so when you send that 170 people home from every NFL facility every night, the chances are going up and up that someone's going to get it. And so when someone slips through the cracks, provides a sample and is around the team, the entirety of game day on the sidelines, on the field, in the locker room, wherever you're going to have this procedure that gets activated, where the high risk, close contacts get sent home, even if they never get it, yeah. which is going to keep teams from being prepared for games and maybe keep guys from playing in games. I mean, if the Ravens played Thursday night this week, these guys wouldn't play period. That's it. And they're not going to yeah. move the game for them that, you know, they're, they're not, they've, they've, skewed away from a forfeit concept I think in part because they recognize they'd have to pay the players in the event of a forfeit but their attitude is hey look if you have a guy who gets it and they have and you don't keep them away from everyone else and they are deemed close contacts you're just not going to have those guys available next yeah. man up and yeah. that's what the Ravens are going to have to deal with this weekend Chris
2: yeah no it, it's it is it's the way of the world that's why it's again it's going to be more important from you know now than ever For the players to really be, you know, on on their game as far as when they leave the facility. Yeah, we're getting towards the holidays and college kids are coming back and people are going to start traveling and they're not going to, you know, sequester themselves inside of a room for 14 days. That's just not going to happen across. It's it's just the fact of the matter. So. You know, I do. It's it's on these players, especially men. If you're on one of these teams, these winning teams, Super Bowl-type teams, fighting for a playoff spot, wow. I know me as an ex-player, I would be like my own bubble boy. I really would be. You know, oh, honey, they're coming here? No, no they're not. I got a game this Sunday. Sorry. Stay away. What? I, I'm not even sure I'd let my kids in school in a year like this if I was the quarterback of a football team. I'm dead serious. I'd be like, kids, Sorry. You know, dad's making 28 million playing quarterback. You got to sit home and do it on zoom. I don't know what else there is to say, but I, I, uh, it's, it's still going to be a tough fight here as the, as like you said, the flu season picks up,
1: you know, this is stuff that isn't getting discussed in part because the media access isn't what it has been ever before because it's all reliant upon these periodic zoom conferences and you don't get a whole lot of questions in, but there are, there, there are coaches who are staying in hotels And not at home, yes, because they have kids in school. Right, they're trying to avoid it. So that's part of the reality. And and look, I I I think this is a point where we just pause for a second and say the Pittsburgh Steelers. One of the reasons why they're seven and zero, and one of the reasons why they're going to continue to be great this year. I think they've got it top to bottom. The organization, they've got the message communicated to every player. Right, and and you know, Shereen and I were talking about this yesterday. One of the benefits of being afraid of your coach is you do never not want to ever piss him (laughs) off and i think mike tomlin combined with that veteran leadership and that laser focus they're not going to put themselves in a bad spot no we heard anthony lynn say it back during hard knocks when he was talking to his chargers players Whoever masters this is going to be in position to win the Super Bowl and here are the Steelers. They they the only the only whiff of an issue they have is the fact that they played the Ravens on Sunday and their guys were around Marlon Humphrey although the NFL continues to believe that's not nearly enough yeah. to transmit the virus from one player to another. Andy Dalton of the Cowboys goes from being in the concussion protocol to the COVID-19 reserve list, so he's most likely not available this weekend and It's not going to be Ben DiNucci. Ben DiNucci had his chance. He had his moment in the sun. It did not go well. And now it's either going to be Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush starting on Sunday when the Steelers come to town to renew one of the great rivalries in all of football. It's a shame the Cowboys are so bad, and I hope they find a way to suck it up and give the Steelers a game. I love Cowboys-Steelers games, right? but this one may be ugly, as it relates to the Cowboys' effort and overall skill sets,
2: oh, it's gonna be ugly. I can tell you that. Get ready for U G L Y. You've got an alibi, Dallas. You stink. You stink. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, it's gonna be ugly. Okay, I mean it really is. Uh, but but I, you know, I think ultimately with the quarterback situation, I understand that they got to go this way with a Cooper Rusher, a Gal- Ga- uh, Garrett Gilbert. You know, the way Ben DiNucci played the other night, listen, it's not over. You could see he's got a very strong arm. He's a pretty good athlete, but the game was like, as I will quote Jerry yesterday, it was just too much for him. It was too big for him at this point of his career. I mean, he was 21 of 40 for 180 yards, zero TDs and zero interceptions. That very easily could have said zero TDs and 11 interceptions or eight interceptions. I mean, how many balls did he throw that were just disaster like you went oh my tipped in the air oh hit off the Eagles chest face hands they couldn't catch it I mean there was that that game as bad as the Eagles were playing and trying to give the game to Dallas Danucci in Dallas was like no no we don't want to take it here here you take it back so uh I get it I think that was one of those things where they watched the film the next day and they went whoa we like That's amazing we actually stayed that close that our quarterback played that way. I mean, I think that's the real thing. And you know what? One other thing, too, why we're on this, because you've heard me complain about this before, and I'm going to complain about it once again. Where the hell was some of that offensive stuff when Dak Prescott was playing quarterback for Dallas? I hate that, Mike. You've heard me yell about that before, and I know we're not on grievances yet. We're supposed to be doing that soon, but maybe this will be the start. Stop this, coaches. Stop waiting for your best player to get hurt, and then, whoa, now we'll get creative and try different stuff. Why the hell wasn't that stuff tried when Dak Prescott was playing? Why wasn't there more of those type of plays infused in the offense? I just don't understand that. See, the good teams have that figured out. They realize, yeah, we got our offense and we're good, but we're going to have some of these screw you plays to screw with the defense, too. And uh, that just it popped in my head. I had to get it off my chest. Sorry.
1: Yeah, you shouldn't be going into the deeper part of the playbook when you're desperate. You should be using the deeper part of the playbook when you're not desperate because it could help enhance your ability to win games by keeping the defense off balance because you never know when that play is going to come. So you got to be ready for it and maybe it makes it easier to run your normal offense if they have in the back of their mind the possibility of a play like that happening. All right. We've kind of started into the airing of Grievances, a Wednesday tradition. I on feel PFT better live already. Cool. We'll continue. Whew. We'll continue. We'll give you more chances to feel better when PFT Live resumes right after this.
0: I'm sorry. I, I mean, I, I feel bad. I mean, that game today, we had it completely under control and the way we lost the game today. That is unacceptable. And I take full responsibility for that.
1: It is unacceptable, especially when it's happened three times this season. Leads of 17 or more points for the Chargers become losses. That's a way a coach loses his job. And, Chris, you and I both have a ton of respect and admiration and personal fondness for Anthony Lynn. But somebody else is going to be coaching Justin Herbert next year if this stuff continues.
2: Yeah, it's it's scary. You're right. I mean, the one thing the owner can do, he might not be an expert in football, but he can count, right? And then, you know, it's going to go, <laughs> wait, we got a 17-point lead, and – We should be able to win that one, and you're right. It's going to put more pressure on the situation when you lose those type of football games. I am a big fan of Anthony Lynn. I am. Uh, But, yeah, it's going to be one that I think will be evaluated here down the stretch.
1: All right. You squeezed in your first grievance last segment by saying don't go deep into the playbook when the starter at quarterback is injured, give the starter that menu of plays because it'll help him with the offense. Here's mine in honor of the trade deadline coming and going yesterday, the Tuesday after week eight. It used to be the Tuesday after week six. Now that we've got seven teams that will make the playoffs in each conference, they need to move it back Some more because it's too early for teams to fold the tents and sell off assets and build for the future and make an arm's length Mm. negotiation and transaction with another team. It's got to go to the Tuesday after week 10 at the absolute earliest. Look, I'm a firm believer in total and free market transactions where you make trades anytime you want. Now I'd say that the rosters should lock of the non-playoff teams once the regular season ends. So you can't have non-playoff teams selling off assets and resurrecting the seasons of players who would then jump on board a playoff franchise. But but, Chris, I just I don't like the trade deadline generally, and I don't like it the Tuesday after week eight if we're going to have 14 teams in the playoffs. Mike, it's uh, I,
2: I never thought of that, but I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think that that does kind of make the perfect point. Yeah, it's seven teams. Right now, you look at the playoffs, there's very few teams that you can look at and go, it's over. New England doesn't think it's over. They're two and five. They're only two games back. So you're right. They're not going to fold the tents. No, there's a lot of other teams same thing in the NFC you know of course yeah there's the teams down there same thing all the teams that are two and five are only two games back and some of those teams that are are in the playoffs on the bottom they got some tough games coming so I' I'm, I think you're spot on I think I think it's got to be somewhere around week 10 11 to be realistic to finally to where you get another handful of teams to go we're out of this we got to start thinking about next year let's make moves whatever and then you have other teams who let's say if you're not you know, you've just gotten healthy right now, and now you start to go on a run, and all of a sudden you go, "Wait, we are the team we thought we were." You know, before the injuries. Oh man, I wish we could make a move now because we're we are a Super Bowl or a deep in the playoffs type team. Um, so I'm with you. You know, that's that's a pretty damn good idea. Uh, do you want me to go with my next grievance? Go ahead. You what know, you, got? It, you know it a little already, but it just—I talked about it a little yesterday or Monday, whatever day that was, but. You know, the current stance of the NFL with the quarterback getting hit and sliding and everything like that has got to change. You know, the defense has already been screwed over. They can't do anything anymore. They're not allowed to play the ball. I mean, they're not allowed to hit anybody going over the middle. Even when they hit them the correct way, it still gets flagged. You know, now we got quarterbacks coming into football every year that can run and make plays. And they're not all Lamar Jackson. I get that. But we see Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. They're running around everywhere, they can do things like that. Russell Wilson this week was going to slide and the defense stopped and he ran a few more yards when they're running out the clock and got them into a third and one or fourth and one situation. I can't remember exactly, but then so he fakes a slide and then runs a little more and then tries to slide and gets hit in the head and they call a penalty. Well, what is the defender supposed to do? And then it's Lamar Jackson on the edge of the, the defense. He's as explosive as anybody in the league. He's been hit on the sideline. He's not out of bounds. He's a good foot and a half inbounds, both feet. He gets his clock cleaned by Cam Hayward. What he's supposed to do. You can't overprotect these quarterbacks this way. That's not fair. You're ruining football to me. for me. I don't want to see that type of free yardage given away in a physical sport where we're seeing quarterbacks having to run more and more and more and more. The days of Brady and Breeze and the pocket passer – it's limited. They're, they're, they're going out of the league. It's out of style. And uh, I think the NFL really has to look at that hard.
1: Yeah, look, the protections evaporate the moment the quarterback decides to become a runner. And the quarterbacks are taking advantage of those protections, whether it's the Matt Ryan okey-doke at the sideline that was from yes. week one of last season where he like slows down and the defense slows down. He says, fine, I'm going to take 10 more yards. Or, or whether it's Lamar Jackson flopping and yes. admitting through the microphone that right. he had on at the time that he flopped and it worked. Yeah, it, it the balance is out of whack, and I, the NFL needs to do something about it. The problem is I think the officials are so conditioned yeah, to protect they are. the quarterbacks. It's going right. to take some time. It's going to take some effort. Another hour PFT Live. Still to come. We'll be right back.